You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. This Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, a very holy and sacred event, and it is a privilege to share this together now with you. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28, where Luke writes, Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for the opportunity now to study your holy word together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of our worship, it's Transfiguration Sunday, and we are at the end of the season of Epiphany. Epiphany begins with the coming of the wise men on January the 6th. And it ends with Transfiguration Sunday, right before we begin the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday. It's that turning point in the life of the Christian faith. It's that turning point as we go through these holy seasons. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all share this story. Synoptic, S-Y-N means the same, optic, the way we see it. These Gospels see things similar, see things the same way. They all share with us this powerful message. It must be important. And then the early church. The early church felt like it was important enough as well that they set aside a Sunday at this pivotal time to talk about the transfiguration. What is it about this encounter with Jesus on the mountaintop that the disciples get to see? Why is it important? Now, one of the challenging things is, is when we've heard a story so many times, we begin to think we know it. And that makes it a little challenging to be able to hear something fresh from God. But I want us to pay attention to this telling of the transfiguration 
because Luke tells the story differently than Matthew or Mark. Luke gives us more details. He gives us more insight. We get to see a little more of what's going on here. And when Luke, Luke tells us the story, he tells us it's eight days after these sayings. That means you kind of have to back up a little bit in the scripture to go, well, eight days after what sayings? What was happening? And you might remember that Jesus was coming back through the area of Caesarea Philippi, and he's asking the disciples, who do the people say that, they, that I am? And they give the various answers. But then Jesus asked the disciples specifically, who do you say? that I am. And there was a pause. And then Peter answers, I know who you are. You are the Messiah of God. You are the Christ. Luke chapter 9, verse 20. Now right after that, an interesting thing happens, and that is Jesus immediately begins to tell them about his suffering He's about to suffer. He's going to be tortured. He's going to go through horrible times. People are going to plan and, and, and go against him. And he's going to die. Well, that's not the image that they had of a Messiah. When, when Peter said, you're the Messiah of God, they had an image of the Messiah who was going to set up this amazing throne in Israel, take back over the kingdom, take over the army, be able to, to drive out the Romans who are occupying the land. Wait a minute, that's not exactly the image that we have. Peter will even try to tell him, you need to stop that. Jesus will then rebuke him. And Jesus, Jesus then says, if any of us, any of you, that's us, want to be his disciples, then we too must deny ourselves, take up our cross every day. Luke adds that word that Jesus said, take up your cross daily. It's not a one-time thing. I took it up when I was 16, but every day... We take up our cross and follow Jesus. Well, wait a minute. We were looking at you to be the Messiah. This is not exactly what we had planned. So Luke then tells us that Jesus will go away and begin to pray. And one of the things I love about the gospel according to Luke is Luke will emphasize how often Jesus goes to pray Jesus will spend time going up on a mountaintop to pray when the crowds are coming in on him, when he has been working and healing and teaching. And, and even though there's so many people and so many needs out there, Jesus will take a time out and he will slide away to a quiet place to pray. Luke will show us that numerous times, Luke 5, 16, he would withdraw to deserted places and pray Luke 6, 12, now during those days he went out to the mountain to pray. He spent the night in prayer to God. Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked, who do the people say that I am? Jesus prayed often and he's praying now. I wonder what was Jesus praying about? Have you ever thought what was it that Jesus would be praying about? He had just heard you are the Christ, you are the Messiah of God, we know who you are. But then Jesus knows, I am now turning to Jerusalem. And when I get to Jerusalem, it's not going to be fun. 
I, I am going to suffer. I'm going to go through horrible times. And Jesus knew there is a cross waiting for me, which was nothing less than death by cruelty. So I wonder, was Jesus praying for himself? I mean, he willingly goes to the cross, and we're told in the Scripture, at any time he could have called 10,000 angels, at any time he could have gone, I quit, I want to step away. Jesus went willingly to the cross. That did not mean he looked forward to it. Do you, do you, do you hear what I'm saying there? He, he willingly went to the cross, but that didn't mean he enjoyed it. It was still agony. It was a horrifying experience. I mean, we will actually see Jesus pray again, and he'll sweat drops of blood. So was Jesus going, God, I know I'm heading to Jerusalem. And did he open up his heart to God about what was ahead of him? And I wonder, was he praying for the disciples? God, Peter just said that I was your Messiah. I think they're beginning to get it. But I could tell it through them when I said that I was going to suffer and die. God, this whole mission, this whole kingdom thing we're doing here is going to depend on these disciples getting it. How do I help them get it? It makes you wonder, what was he praying? What was he saying? And then Luke tells us that it's while he was praying that all of a sudden, Jesus began to have this glow. His face changed, his, his clothing changed to be a dazzling white. Jesus experiences a transfiguration. And I love the fact that it happened during the prayer. Now, we have to be careful with the transfiguration story. We can take this story and go, so when we pray, that's when we change. That's true. But this story is not about us praying. This is a Jesus thing that's happening here. This is a divine, sacred thing that's happening here. This is not about Terry Moore's prayer life. This is what was happening to Jesus at this point. And we can talk about, you know, that Jesus is up on the mountaintop and all was great, but he still had to come back down from the mountain. We can't stay on the mountain. That is a great sermon, and it is true. But that, again, kind of makes it about us. This is not an us story. This is about Jesus and what Jesus is going through at this moment. And I find it interesting that, that Luke shared with us that while he was praying that this happens because I wonder if God, hearing the prayers, realized Jesus needs some encouragement. He knows what's about to happen. He needs a God encounter. He needs an epiphany. He needs to have this, this yes, this is, this is what's going on, and all of a sudden the transfiguration occurs. But I wondered too, when Jesus may have been praying for the disciples, did God say, well then Peter, James, and John, they need to experience and see who Jesus really is. So maybe that prayer time calls God to go, we need to have this encounter. They need confirmation. I think it's just a, it's a powerful moment that we see here that God is responding to, to Jesus praying, whatever it was he was saying. And then we have this beautiful gift that Moses and Elijah appear. And why Moses and Elijah? Well, during the time of Jesus' ministry, the time with the disciples, the early church, 
The scriptures of the day were the law by Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and the prophets. And Moses represents the law. Elijah, the great prophet, represents the prophets. And so now you have this incredible image, Jesus up on this mountain, this holy place. He's praying to God. All of a sudden, everything begins to change. We get a glimpse of Jesus' glory. And Moses and Elijah appear, the law and the prophets. And so one of the things that I, that I want you to see is you have the, the law and the prophets and the Messiah, God's plan of salvation all together. It is an amazing event. And Luke, only Luke, tells us what they talked about. If you look at Matthew and Mark, they'll tell you that they were talking to Jesus. But Luke will tell you they were talking to Jesus about his departure and what was about to happen in Jerusalem. Now, you want to know some interesting things? The Greek word for departure that's used here is the word exodus. They were talking to Jesus about his exodus. Now, what an interesting conversation. Jesus is having conversation with Moses, who then led the Exodus, the children of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt into a promised land. And they're now having conversation with Jesus about his Exodus, his departure, his Exodus, as he now leads all of us out of slavery to sin and death and into a glimpse of the kingdom of God. A time of forgiveness and everlasting life. See, this was a gift, I think, from God to Jesus. It was a message to Jesus. It was a gift of encouragement. But I think God also knew the disciples and the church needs to see and hear this because what is about to happen to Jesus is so heinous and so beyond anything they ever imagined that they could shake their faith. They could begin to waver. They could begin to question, is he really the Messiah? Or as they watch Jesus suffer, they could even begin to question, is it worth it? Is it worth it to follow Jesus? Jesus had just said... He would suffer. And then Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you too have to deny yourself, take up your cross every day and follow. I was really hoping for a Jesus that I could follow and, and it would be a cushy life, a life flowing with milk and honey where everything was just wonderful and all I would have would be blessing after blessing after blessing. Is it worth it? And God, I believe, is sharing with the disciples, you better believe it's worth it. You need to know it is worth it. And God then gives them this example of here is the law of God from your faith. Here is the prophet, and they are all pointing the way to who Jesus is. Now, Luke will emphasize this even after the resurrection. For example, if you turn over in your Bibles to Luke 24, verse 25, you will see this is where Jesus is speaking to the disciples that are on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. The Scripture says, Then He said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. 
Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Now catch this. Then beginning with Moses and then all of the prophets, he interpreted them the things about himself and the scripture. So Luke now sees that here's what Jesus is saying to the people on the road to Emmaus. He's going, wait a minute, this is Jesus going, all this is connected. And the transfiguration connected the law and the prophets pointing to the Messiah who now enters into his glory. Later in that same chapter, Luke 24, looking at verse 44, Jesus will be speaking to all the disciples and he says to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Luke is painting this beautiful picture of, do you see the story of salvation here? The law and the prophet, all the scriptures are revealing to us that Jesus is indeed the Messiah of God, as Peter had said. He is the Christ. But then to put the icing on the cake, do you see what God does? As they're having this conversation, all of a sudden a cloud comes over the mountain. Remember in Exodus how Moses would go up onto the mountain, the cloud would cover and God would speak to him. The cloud comes over the mountains. The disciples are absolutely terrified. And all of a sudden, God himself speaks. And Luke again will give us a little caption of who is this really for? Because if you turn back to Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, you might remember that story of how Jesus goes out into the water. When he comes up out of the water, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. And and catch this scripture in Luke 3, verse 22, the scripture says, God said, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Who is God speaking to there? It's Jesus. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. But now up on the mountain, the cloud comes over. The disciples are terrified at what's going on. And in Luke 9 verse 35, you will hear the voice of God now say, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Who is God speaking to? Not to Jesus. He told Jesus that at the baptism. Yes, Jesus hears it again. But at the baptism, God's speaking to Jesus. Here, God needs the disciples. God needs the church. God needs you and me and us together as the people of God to hear, this is my son, my chosen, and then to show us that it is God speaking to the disciples, he said, and listen to him. Do what he says. Obey him. Follow him. As Jesus had said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross every day, follow me. God's going and follow him. Listen to him. Do you see the beautiful picture here up on this mountain? 
It's the law, the prophets, the Messiah. And now God himself hovering over it all. And then there's Peter, James, and John, the church, all joined together, and we see in one picture this amazing scene of God's plan of salvation. Law, prophet, Messiah, the church, all encompassed by God Himself. Fred Craddock was one of the great New Testament scholars of our time, and he was actually one of my professors and became a mentor for me. He was an amazing preaching professor. But Dr. Fred Craddock, in his commentary, says this, After submitting to the baptism of preparation and before beginning his public ministry, Jesus received heaven's confirmation as the Son of God. Here, after speaking of his coming passion and before turning toward Jerusalem, Jesus receives heaven's confirmation again. However, on this occasion, three apostles... Hear the voice, a voice that says the talk of death, which they've recently heard, does not abrogate, does not contradict Jesus' Messiahship. The one who announced to them that he must suffer, die, and be raised is indeed God's Son and is to be obeyed. Peter, James, and John get this beautiful glimpse of the kingdom of God. They get the opportunity to see God's amazing plan of salvation from the law through the Messiah. And God says, so listen to him. Not admire him, not get together and have a pep rally for him on Sundays, but to follow him, to listen to him to be his disciples. Fred Craddock then wraps it up this way. He says, This is a mountaintop experience, but not the kind about which persons write glowingly of sunrises, soft breezes, warm friends, music, and quiet time. On this mountain, the subject is death. And the frightening presence of God reduces those present to silence. In due time, after the resurrection, they will remember, understand, and not feel heavy. In fact, they will broadly tell it as good news. The transfiguration that beautiful gift that God has given to us as Jesus was spending time in prayer, all of a sudden while he's praying, God said, they need something. Encouragement from Jesus, for Jesus, and the church needs to hear. This cross, it is going to be ugly. But Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And if you hold on to your faith and take up your cross and follow Him, 
you will also see resurrection and the glory of God. I'm so grateful that Luke gives us a scene of all that God is doing. The law, the prophets, the Messiah, the church. All hearing the voice of God remind us, this is my son, the chosen, and we are to follow him. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this amazing epiphany, this transfiguration, this gift that gives us a glimpse of all that you are doing and the kingdom of God. On Ash Wednesday, we will put the sign of the cross and ashes on our forehead, and we will go with Jesus to Jerusalem. It will be easy for us to walk at a distance and watch Him and admire Him, or we can walk closely with Him, denying ourselves and taking up our cross every day to follow Him, to witness then what love really means as it's willing to die for those whom He loves and then to rise giving victory over both sin and death. We are about to embark on a journey. Thank you for reminding us that it is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Amen.